the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are getting political, not Brexit, with Netflix's The Politician, setting the world on fire, still not Brexit, in the Beeb's World War II drama of the same name, and pulling on our dancing shoes for a musical extravaganza about Brexit. No, wait for the musical finale of Transparent. I'm James Dyer and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, a show that survived our first live show last week at the London Podcast Festival with a minimum of public embarrassment. Unfortunately, we are devoid of the delightful Russell Tovey this week and you're stuck with our usual televisual triumvirate, but do not worry, we will do our very best to roll out some of our own bawdy anecdotes in Russell's honour. First up... Our Lady of Perpetual True Crime Misery and someone who, and this is absolutely true, survived nine hours on a train with me over the past 24 hours and managed not to murder me. So, you know, that's nice. Uh, She's Pilot TV's very own Grim Reaper and her tell-all memoir, For Whom the Bell End Tolls, will be out next year. It's Terry White. You nicked that joke off somebody on Twitter. I literally nicked that joke off somebody off Twitter. But I did, in my defence, tell him I was going to steal it. Yes, Um, and I'll tell you what I will say is we did spend nine hours together on a train um, the first four and a half, the outward journey, we spent sat next to each other. The second, the return journey, I chose to sit elsewhere. Literally, this is absolutely true. <laughs> Terry opted to sit next to a complete stranger for the journey back rather that than is... sit with me. And she tried to say, no, no, it's fine. No, I just, no, I just don't. I want to be so No, it's fine. And I was like, you're literally abandoning us. So me, Chris and Helen sat together. <laughs> And Terry moved away. There was a seat reservation issue. Yes, that was a uh, cunning smokescreen, wasn't it? These guys sat in not our reserved seats, and I'm a stickler for the rules. We're rebels. <laughs> the rules. And I was like, I can't sit in somebody else's seat. And then when it gets mm. to the station where they're meant to get on, it's going to be like awkward. Oh, yeah, I have to I go and find that. another yeah. seat. And yeah. I just was yeah. full of anxiety thinking about it. So I went and sat in my reserved right. seats. See, Terry, I'm a maverick. I will not be bound by your rules. <laughs> I'll no. do what I like. No. So, yeah, we said, but this is all a smokescreen. You clearly just didn't want to sit with us. That's really what it was. I mean, let's, uh, it was definitely a bonus, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I quite enjoyed the solitude. Mm. Anyway, joining us, you've already heard him, but as always, is a man who can find the silver lining in almost anything. He's the calm that moderates mine and Terry's respective tempests and Russell Tovey's celebrity friend. It's Boyd. <laughs> Hello, Boyd. Hello. I didn't go to uh, Scotland. You didn't go to Scotland, no. that's true. But I did a couple of weeks ago, and it is a very long, long, it is, it's a long epic, train challenging train it's journey. It, it had First some, world some extra challenges that we'll yeah. get onto a little bit later oh, on. Okay. Uh, but yes, it was, uh, it, it was an interesting one. Yeah. Um, so, since the live podcast, what have you been watching on the television? Do you know what? I, I actually had. To, there's a lot. I've been watching a lot. There's a lot on at the moment. I think we need to. I, I felt like we need to sit back and go. Actually, there's quite a lot of really, really good stuff because uh, the capture. I don't know if you've re I, uh, kept engaging. I with was the watching it most of the way back from, uh, right. from Scotland. And it's my. It's what I've been watching this uh, week. So yeah, fun. we're all we're all on the right. same okay. page. Good. It's great. It's properly different, isn't it? It's like original. Just the whole. You mean it's fucking mad? It's mad. It's, it's gone. Mad. Well... It's gone mad. Gone, oh. It's gone well distorted. mad. That was yeah. <laughs> it's gone well mad. Yeah. There will be no spoilers, don't worry. No, no. yeah. But there is, let's just say there's a whole new thing that comes up in episode four, I think. Uh, well, I wouldn't know. New... I'm on episode three. Oh, still, okay. So uh, I've, I've just got a bit where Ron Perlman's turned up. Mm. So. I mean, the minute Ron Perlman turns up, at first I thought he was somebody wearing a Ron Perlman <laughs> mask. <laughs> 
And you were like, no, no, and I was like, it's oh, just Ron Oh, no, Perlman. it's just him. Um, as soon as that whole thing happened, and we won't say what that is, but when he is introduced as a character, yeah. it suddenly goes to a whole new weird place. I thought I had it bagged before mm. that. as kind of your, yeah. you know, your standard kind of conspiracy theory. Um, drama and then as soon as he appeared and things start to unravel in quite a weird way I was like oh no this isn't what we think it is I feel is. we should take a minute because it, it, is, it is extraordinary to me that that's where your brain goes you see Ron Perlman and your first thought <laughs> is that's a man wearing a Ron Perlman mask like, so it's like it's possible. If, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck it's Ron Perlman but or some, someone wearing a mask that looks like Ron Perlman something about his face in the show looks like a parody of Ron Perlman it looks like he's wearing his own face yeah, and his hair actually. I think also his hair contributes to that a bit. It's quite. It is quite. Yeah, maybe I think maybe we don't see him so much as himself, do we? In yeah. films, but he's always doing something quite. This feels like you know they've just cast Ron Perlman to be very Ron Perlman. Yeah, everything's yeah. so big. It is quite big, um, but it's huge fun anyway, and it's getting it's getting even more fun. Um, yeah, I just watched episode five. Incredible scenes. So, cap the capture. Then there's also um, when this goes out. I just hit the microphone. That was very good. When this goes out, the finale of Peaky Blinders will have just aired, which I have watched. Which I have watched as well. Yes. Omg. Omg. Let's just say. Omg. Omfg. Um, that delivers on all on on every level, frankly. Um, and I won't even say anything about it because no. people will get annoyed. No. But all, what we can say is it all builds up to an, an, an assassination attempt on um, Oswald Mosley. That's that's been established yeah. in the previous episode, and how that. And you think, oh well, obviously we know he wasn't killed. Mm-hmm. Oswald Mosley was not assassinated. Is factual fact. So how is that going to be of an interest? But of course, it you is. just say factual, factual fact. Facts. Yeah, it's a factual fact. As opposed to we know there are armed factual facts these yeah. days. Yeah. So that was Thank great. News. Loved Peaky Blinders, and then I wanted to say American Horror Story '84, which I watched last night, which began last night, which we weren't allowed to watch um, in preview because the people Fox don't the Fox didn't let any American critics watch it either mm. thankfully so it wasn't just us but and I very much enjoyed its un, unashamed um, devotion to 80s stalk and slash horror films mm. particularly like Brian De Palma ones there's a lot of body double going involved getting involved for me and I and I couldn't be happier with that whole setup and I thought it was highly entertaining I know some people thought it was a bit shit but I did very much enjoy You were it. not one of them? I was not one of them. Good. I haven't seen it, so I can't comment. I think that's... that's is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. Roughly. Oh, and The Affair. I wanted to mention The Affair. I know oh, that's your, your yeah. territory. Yeah. But I think the whole subplot of him, the making of the film based on his book with the egomaniac director, which I did mention, I mentioned, is developing some one of my favourite things that's ever been on that show. It's so funny. When he got barred from the set, mm-hmm. it is brilliant. So, yeah. It is genius. Yeah. It is genius. Well, I've the capture is is what I've been watching this week, but also, which is quite surprising given I was kind of mixed on it when we actually reviewed it the other week, I'm continuing to watch The Confession and I'm oh. watching both The Confession and The Capture like properly. And by properly, yeah. I mean I'm getting home from work, putting the tea on, or more likely eating the tea <laughs> that my boyfriend's made for me, mm. and... And sitting down at nine o'clock and they're on consecutive nights, Monday and Tuesday. And it's properly like I am loving having telly to go home and watch. And the confession is actually I'm warming to it more and more. I don't think well no, because you you enjoyed Martin Freeman's performance more than I did. Um uh, but once you get used to that kind of we talked about that weird documentary style kind of uh, camera work and all of that. 
Um, it's actually a really super interesting story. So I'm loving both of those at the moment, which are both actually quite old school in some respects, especially The Confession, which mm. is quite traditional drama. To capture less so because it's gone fucking nuts. But um, yeah. I'm loving both of those things. And Dragon's Den, I've got really obsessed with Dragon's oh, I've Den. I've always liked Dragon's Den. This reality I've always liked Dragon's Den. Oh reality God. creep yeah, has infected great. this podcast. Oh my reality God. creep. Sunday night, yeah. 8 o'clock. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. 100%. It's phenomenal. Yeah. And The New Dragon is very good. The New Dragon's great. You know what's back in, in uh, about um, two weeks' time? What? The Apprentice. <gasps> oh, two, yeah. Two I'm, weeks. I'm imposing oh, yeah. a preemptive ban. Let me just say this. Two things to look forward to for Terry. The Apprentice is back, and I've seen the first episode, and it's amazing. Oh, they my go God. to South Africa. Oh, my God. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'm not, I don't know no, how it's I feel fine, about that. Because they're all immediately idiotic. They okay. don't know, have no Good. idea what's going on. And then also launching in two weeks' time, approximately, I should have written down the date, Sky Crime, the whole channel, which oh. is literally true crime, factual true oh. crime. The occasional kind of docudrama-ish, but mostly just factual true crime. It's kind of like made for you. Oh, the whole God. Thing. Yeah. An entire channel constantly, constantly on. James, I go. look forward to uh, irritating <laughs> you more than I normally do every oh, good. Friday afternoon. Um, so I saw Fleabag. As in the stage show oh, Fleabag, which is very, you. very exciting. Yeah. And it's, well, I mean, it hang on, hang on. Oh, here we go. You had to do it, didn't you? You couldn't just let me have that and say, what? oh, I said, fine, fine, fine. I saw the live feed of the uh, stage show at the Picture House <laughs> because I couldn't get tickets okay. to actually see it on stage. <laughs> so I saw the live feed at the cinema. Oh, but still... technically, it was fucking live yeah, and yeah. it was the show. <laughs> So and also it's her sitting on a stool. Like how much three D immersion do you really need? <laughs> what? But you, 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 are you saying there's no point going to the theatre because no, of what's I'm the not. point in I'm sitting in saying, the room? If you can't get a ticket to go and see it at the theatre, the in the option is see it at the cinema or just don't watch it. Well, see it at the cinema. Can we just point out what James means by he couldn't get a ticket is he couldn't get a free ticket, unlike the free ticket he got to yes. the screening. Yes. Look, look. <laughs> Enough of this sedition. Can we just talk about the substance of it? It was really, really good. And the thing, thing with it is so much of it has been repurposed for the series. Mm. That there is no real... That, like, the big reveal of the stage show is kind of ruined by that because it's a season one finale of the show. Mm. Um, but it's incredibly powerful. It's a magnificent piece of acting and expression. And I think... And this is, you know, this is not news because it's in the show as well. But she is so expressive both in terms of, you know, her physicality and her voice and her facial expressions. And there's, there's a bit where she... There's a whole bit and where she doesn't speak for a significant period where she's just miming stuff she's doing with a phone. And it is absolutely amazing. Terry, you went and saw it, didn't you? You've seen it as well. I did. And I... I think she's an incredible performer. I agree with you. And it's kind of really exciting to see. However... Oh, here we go. I had slight issues with it being the exact show she'd done, obviously, for years before mm. the Fleabag TV show. She should have so, done a new one just for you. I, I, I would have expected it for the <laughs> ticket prices that it was going for. Because like, what I would say is... It wasn't even that there were bits of it in the TV show. There, the lines were the yeah, lines, the, the exact yeah. lines. Yeah. So, you'd obviously heard quite a significant amount of it before. It's an hour and five minutes, yeah. um, uh, which and presumably it doesn't ca- cover series two. It doesn't no. cover the sexy no. priest or anything, does it? No. no. So no. she could have. I mean, I'm not. I'm not again. I'm not having a go. But she, yeah. I think some people were expecting her to revise it and add him maybe or something. But yeah. it, wasn't, it was. It was marketed as the original fleet. Oh, I know. I know. Making I know. a return. Course, it wasn't but, like she's mm. written a whole new show. Yeah, but I know. Is it, and it's interesting because people have said, oh, so much has changed for kind of women in comedy and, and 
what women can get away with since she actually did the original show. But I still found a lot of it quite shocking. I still don't think you'd hear mm. a lot of it. Some of the sex stuff oh especially. Yeah, yeah. You still wouldn't actually yeah. ever hear, and it still really shocks however many years later when you hear that mm. on stage in a theatre. You're like, fuck me, that really, like... You forget that yeah. it goes to those places in such a kind of all-out way. And there's one thing seeing that on TV where there is a little bit more of that. And when you see it in the theatre, in that kind of formal setting, there's something quite still mm. quite shocking about that, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's very, the, very the, good. The, the, the dude of Netflix, you know, not not um, not Ted's the other guy, the, the real king of Netflix. I've forgotten his name. He did a, an event today um, at the RTS yes. um, in Cambridge, and he said the one he was asked the one what one show do you regret not having? He said he said Fleabag. They got outbid, right? Yeah, I think they got outbid. He wouldn't confirm, but pretty much the implication was they got yeah. outbid. Yeah, by Amazon Prime. Um, and you can see that. But he also says something stupid, in which he implied that they don't cancel anything unless it's not good enough. Like, come on. But that's just Uh-oh. not true. Yeah, it's not true. That is not true. We'll forgive him that. It's fine. Right. Okay. Shall we move on to this week's news, which I'm going to have to look at live because the Wi-Fi on the train we were on didn't really permit me to look while we were there. There were a couple of things I do remember. So we did, we, the reason we were up in Edinburgh, we should mention, we did a live Empire podcast. Uh, and a couple of things we talked about on there was the fact that Sam Esmail, uh, showrunner of Mr. Robot is doing a new Battlestar Galactica show. But yeah. he says we, he means him. Okay, fine. Yeah, I talked you. about it on yeah. stage. Of course but no, you but, did. But so this was announced, and everyone was like, oh, it's going to be another reboot. Like he'll be mm. retreading the ground that Rondi Moore has already trod so well. And then he took to social media and said, no, no, that's not the case at all. This will be a new story set within the oh. same continuum right. as Rondi Moore's show. So suddenly I've gone from, oh, God, to, oh, God. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty. Didn't I'm you write like 10,000 words on Battlestar Galactica yeah, for, yeah. Uh, yeah, for Pilot, Pilot TV, TV magazine? magazine. Yes, yeah. yes, I did. Yeah. Yes. So one bit of information did come out last night during the Empire podcast. No, no, no. no. We can't discuss this. What? We're going to get to this later on. This comes up later in the show. What does your... Yes, uh, that comes up later in the show. Oh, I'm excited So we cannot, we cannot... But it's that's... directly relevant to what we're talking about Moving now. on. Oh, Moving dear. on, it comes well, up later. Let what? me just say that I was shocked by okay. this news. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, do we talk about... I can't... Because I... The news, I can't remember about the whole Netflix Seinfeld thing. Did we talk about that last week? No. no. Yeah. So this has been... This is all part of the whole... That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that was the theme tune to Seinfeld, everyone. Um, yeah. So it was announced... It must have been oh, just after we did the, the live one that Netflix have spent $500 million, half a billion dollars on the rights to Seinfeld, which they don't get to show, by the way, until 2021. Mm-hmm. So we have to wait. They have to wait a year and a bit for, to show it, or even more, however long it is. And that, it was big, that in America, this is huge. Here, not so much, because I think Seinfeld's always been a cult thing here. I mean, it's my favourite show ever, but here it was on BBC Two at 11 o'clock at night, so it's never become a mass thing. But it was the biggest show on American TV for much of the 90s. As big as Friends, you know, it's the number one show. And I believe it's the most successful franchise show in American TV history. And wherever it's gone as a franchise show, as in they just keep showing it, old shows every day, double bills, it gets gazillions of viewers. So it is a huge thing for Netflix. It's kind of the second biggest property, I think, after Friends. But what's weird is, right now, on Amazon Prime, here in the UK, you can watch the whole fucking thing. No, no one realizes this for free. What? Well, if, if you know, if, if, you you, if you're an Amazon Prime yeah. subscriber, it, the whole thing is on Amazon Prime and has been for a while, and just, will be for a while, presumably. Isn't I just read this as their reaction to losing friends, yeah. in that they felt they needed exactly, another. I think it is yeah. exactly, yeah. But I think here it's not going to make that much difference because yeah. Friends is a much, much bigger thing yeah. than Seinfeld. Friends and is Seinfeld huge. Hasn't travelled as well. No, has it? it hasn't. Yeah, but but you know, but what I wanted to say is, everyone watch it now on Amazon Prime if you got it. Um, so I wanted to talk about Cobra, um, which 
we all were reading the Tango and Cash stuff this week about a potential sequel if um, Sylvester Stallone can actually get um, uh, Kurt Russell to agree, um, which is seeming doubtful. But what he did say in the same interview was that Cobra, which I think he's been working on for a while, which would be a reboot, um, is actually currently with Robert Rodriguez's network mm-hmm. and that it's sitting with Rodriguez and if it gets made and he seems quite positive about it. And that seems like a really good fit to me because actually I rewatched Cobra recently and I was like, I don't remember it being this out and out absolutely barking mad when no, I first watched it. Wasn't it wasn't mad. It but was very violent. But it's quite, right. it is quite surreal and it's quite pulpy, much more pulpy mm, than a lot is, of other yeah. stuff, which makes it feel like a really amazing fit for Rodriguez. I just hope, you know, nobody actually wants Sylvester Stallone in the Cobra reboot, right? No, no, no. At 73 no. years old, yeah, like, no. come on. But he is in the new Rambo film, isn't he? So... He is in the... Have you seen the new Rambo film? We, there not, were no press screenings, no, unfortunately. Yes, but we did review it uh, with the help of a member of the audience who had seen oh, it on the Live Empire oh, podcast. We gave it two stars and okay. he concurred. Oh, okay. So there you go. Not a recommendation. Not a recommendation. Um, something else which came up, that there's a, a kind of, sort of, almost remake of The Fugitive coming yes. to Queeby. 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 Yeah. Uh, it's going to star Kiefer Sutherland, but not mm. as The Fugitive, mm-hmm. as, as the pursuer. So he's more the Tommy Lee Jones in this particular equation. Um, but... Because it's Queeby, yeah. this is going to be in bite-sized chunks, isn't it? Yes. So Eight to ten minute chapters designed for viewing on mobile devices, I just, James. I just, I mean, I hate everything. It's weird, isn't it? Here. I know. Do you know who's playing the fugitive, though, don't you? Boyd Holbrook. Yeah. Correct. Right. Boyd is playing the fugitive. Indeed. Which excites me. Yeah. yeah after Logan. The Predator great. fame. After, more so Logan than Predator. Why well, I know, I, I yeah, met Logan. him on the set of The Predator, which is why it's more yeah, Because Logan was a good film. <laughs> yes, Logan was an excellent film. Yeah, that, it's weird this whole Queeby thing because they're doing a lot of stuff. There's a lot of well, content. They announced the Sophie Turner yeah. sh- series exactly. at the same time called Survive, yeah. right? Which yeah. is kind of part lost, part um, what's that one in the mountains? What do you call it? Oh, um, the, the crime one, one in the mountains. The Ed- Idris Elba. <laughs> oh, the b- 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 mountain. Oh, yeah. The mountain divides the, us between us. The mountain that, between us. That, whatever that. that yeah. Whatever that. The one called. that we clearly paid no attention to. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that one. But it's like they get stranded in a mountain and they have to survive and potentially maybe mm. kill each other. I think. Or have sex. Yeah. Or have sex. Yeah. Are you only saying that because it's Sophie Turner? No, because this is ultimately what happens when people get stranded in the mountain, be one or the other in these films. Uh, mm-hmm. Or both things happen, not with the same people. Does this whole Queeby thing not feel to you a lot like a sort of a, a middle-aged executive has been, has, has, has been introduced to the concepts of A, streaming, and then B, millennials, and then had a sort of light bulb moment, I'm going, hang on guys, wait for it, I've nailed it. Isn't Steven Spielberg one of those people? Entirely possible. <laughs> no disrespect, Steven. But you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, it's like, oh no, we're streaming, but you know, kids are always on their phones, what we're going to do is we're going to do a phone streaming service, it's going to be bite-sized because kids, they've got no attention spans mm. and this monstrosity is but, what's uh, what's come from but it. But then what's weird is I don't know if the content is matching that audience because Spielberg is yeah. doing the horror series. The, the show. Who, you know, and Spielberg appeals to people like us. Mm. I'm sure he appeals to kids as well and possibly more so after West Side Story. Mm. But let's be honest, his core audience are yeah. us, yes. i.e. old people. Yes. And even remaking The Fugitive, which, to be fair, plot-wise, doesn't have that much in common with The Fugitive apart from he is a fugitive because it's on a um, train, there's a bomb. Um, I think it dabbles in fake news and all of that. So I think they're trying to make it more modern. But fundamentally, if you're trading on the fact that it's a remake of Harrison Ford's Fugitive, mm. then, again, 
again, that's appealing to people like mm. us. So it seems like a weird fit in some respects because there is absolutely no way on God's green earth that I am watching no. anything on a fucking phone. Absolutely not. And uh, it'll be interesting, right, when we come to review the <laughs> review these shows because do we have to watch them on a phone as well? Presumably we do. Um... I, that'd be, yeah, that'd be, I don't know see how they can enforce that because they'll, they'll probably just send us a link and it, I'm sure it's very difficult I mean, to have a link that you can only watch to. on your mobile. But right? if their whole proposition is you can only watch it on a mm. phone, then presumably everybody has to watch it on a phone and that's just going to upset me from uh, the get-go. Except, here's the, here's the, so the official wording is uh, it will offer eight to ten minute chapters designed for viewing on mobiles. I bet you will be able to watch another 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 devices. Formats. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I think so. It may be designed for that, so whatever the hell that means. But I think. Well, what will... does that mean? In t- what in terms? I of... think it means they're taking into account, presumably, in how they're made visually, etc. You know, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Terry just you did the vom, this, a vom but... expression. <laughs> but I just look like I was yeah. about to it, say convoyed. Thing is, the whole thing is bizarre. This might make you feel sick. This is a. Do you know? Have you seen the story about the remake, the American remake? Yeah, I'm showing you the American remake of Miranda, with Jim Parsons and Mayim Bialik. Blossom. Yeah, and Big Bang Theory. (laughs) I go Blossom. Basically, it's they're doing um, Carla is what it's going to be called. She is Carla. She's the Miranda figure. I know. See, I've already got a good expression on James's face. Why? So this is this is weird, right? This is a huge... Apparently, they're all bidding for this massive, massive property, the American version of Miranda, with Mian Bielik as, as the star, as the Miranda figure. And um, there was a massive competition to get, to, get to, to buy this whole thing. It's going to be done as a multi-camera proper sitcom, studio sitcom, I think, like the British one. Can you imagine it, though? It's because no. Miranda is so British oh, so and Miranda-ish. <laughs> it's bizarre. But it's happening. Why wouldn't you just nick the idea? And I know, do it? right? That's my other thing. Yeah. I don't get that with these with these bright. You, Miambiel, couldn't just get someone to write her a, a yeah. show. I want to do a one. Yeah. I want to do a sitcom yeah. about a woman. Right? Brilliant. Yeah. Like exactly. Because all the stuff it's that makes it Miranda Miranda is all the uniquely British stuff. Exactly. So it's g- presumably going to be nothing really like it in tone no. or content. Well, they're saying it's going to be broad. The description of it is that it is going to be similar in tone. It feels like they've decided they can't come up with their own quite very odd (laughs) James is really yeah it's really weird I mean I'm still jet lagged isn't the word train lagged at the moment this is this is to quote Danny Dyer it's doing me nothing yeah Um, Yeah, that's why I mentioned it I knew it'd do you nothing yeah well okay did you see the the, the Amazon's Lord of the Rings series is going to shoot in New Zealand Zealand. wouldn't that have been more interesting if it wasn't being shot in New Zealand exactly if they'd said actually we're going to shoot it in Somerset then it'd be like bloody hell of course it's shooting in New Zealand how is this new they have to right of course they do (laughs) I mean even if it makes no financial sense they have to do it because uh, like if you look up in any geography textbook in any school in this country what New Zealand's main industry is it's Lord of the Rings so clearly (laughs) their their main export is Urukai it's true Uh, 50% of GDP oh have we done news? Is news yes. done? Yeah, that's oh, it. That'll do. I think you just killed it. Yeah, right. you have killed the news. news. All right, well, that was uh, what's going on in the world of the televisions. Uh, time now for reviews. First up this week is The Politician from Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk. This stars Ben Platt as Peyton Hobart, uh, a young, shall we say, ambitious gentleman whose <laughs> political aspirations will, I believe, over the course of this show, take him from a class presidential race to maybe one day the Oval Office. Terry, did this get your vote? Yes. <laughs> so this is a little bit election meets mm. cruel intentions, which it feels... I, I will say there's something about it which feels 
I want to use the word dated, but I don't want to use the word dated. It feels very specific to a time and to a certain type of film, those films I'm talking about. And it's Ryan Murphy, and it feels very Ryan Murphy. Mm. Um, so, yeah, as you said, it's it's the story of this guy, Peyton, and it's his, his destiny, right, to become the president and to become the president. He has to go to Harvard, and to be able to get to Harvard, he needs to be president of his class, and he's got this in his entire life's trajectory worked out for himself until he becomes opposed by his in the race to be class president by his friend and Mandarin tutor, um, uh, David, who is a, another student who is incredibly handsome, incredibly charming, turns out um, is actually a much better kind of public speaker than him, has arguably a more authentic self. And fundamentally, I think that's what this comes down to. There's an incredible opening scene between a boyfriend and a girlfriend where they're talking about whether she kind of fakes orgasm when they have sex with each other. And she tells him quite, oh, yes, I do, but I'm doing it to, you know, bolster your confidence and for you to become the man you should be. And he's horrified and tries to explain to her why authenticity as a human being is important while she looks incredibly puzzled. And and fundamentally at the heart of it is about as a teenager in a world of social media and, and everything we know, um, how what is the authentic self? How do you keep it? How do you present it? Is everybody just kind of presenting a facade to the world, et cetera, et cetera? Actually not really, even though so different in tone and style and content in pretty much every way different to kind of a lot of the stuff at the heart of something like Euphoria, just presented in a very different way. These kids are privileged. Mm. Um, They live in an almost a utopian world where it's accepted that you you can be gender fluid, that your sexuality is kind of on a spectrum. It's, It's a, in many respects, a much more tolerant world than the world we actually live in or the world that kind of those privileged kids live in. It has the most incredible cast which we've talked about before um so jessica lang gwyneth paltrow mm. um who i think is great in this she is. like and it's i really i've only watched the first episode i did really enjoy it i was and I, we've talked about this before i had euphoria in my head because i think mm. these kind of th- these shows about teenagers have gone in such different directions and in such kind of more interesting directions. I still really enjoyed it, but it didn't necessarily feel like anything particularly new. Yeah. If you know what I mean. And as and I all of the references I kept coming back to were quite dated references, which doesn't mean it doesn't have value at all. If no. you are into that, then you will absolutely love this. But as you say, yeah, it felt very familiar. I think the things about it that surprised me were twofold. It's one, it has a very deliberately disjointed chronology. Yes. And that sort of wrong-footed me. It, yes, it did me, bit. but did you understand? Uh, did you completely... I, I got it. It yeah. took me a second. I was yeah. like, oh, hang on, what's happening here? <laughs> uh, but I like that. But also I was a little unprepared for how hard-hitting it would be in that... So there's a trigger warning at the beginning of the show. It's almost a slightly tongue-in-cheek trigger warning, so I couldn't quite work out whether it was supposed to be a gag or not, because it says something along the lines of this is about, you know, political ambition and ruthlessness. However, if you have mental health issues, you might mm. want to check yourself. So I was like, is that a gag? But actually, I think it's genuinely a trigger warning yeah. because it does deal with mental health issues and suicide and in school in particular. And uh, there's some actually quite shocking stuff in this, which 
it kind of fits the tone. Like the tone is sort of darkly comic, isn't mm. it? Like you know, and these people are awful. Not all of them. There no. are there are definitely re- you know redeeming characters in there, but there's also a lot of truly terrible people in this. And you're the main character being one of them. Yeah. Let's be honest. Um, and it's kind of following him. And as he really did remind me of of you know of of election isn't it it felt like it was channeling that very heavily I, I thought this was good I thought the performances were excellent I thought some of the moments in it were extremely memorable but I, it didn't it didn't strike a chord with me I think more than anything else it's just not my thing um, it just it doesn't quite fit in also it, it crosses my bell end threshold uh, which is unfortunate yeah you don't like shows where all, pretty much everyone is a bell it's end it's tricky yeah. oh, except that there is one character who isn't a bell end but you know yeah that doesn't work out no um, I really enjoyed it I think it is it, yeah election is the thing it's difficult to get yeah. past because it is tonally it's, it's got that so cynicism like that. and it's really about the same thing kind of which is and I think this particularly goes for American politics, perhaps mm-hmm. more than British. Having said that, we're enduring David Cameron fest at the moment. I think this is an example of someone who wanted, who have felt from an early age that he should be prime minister. Actually, of course, Boris Johnson. So yes. what am I talking yes. about? In fact, <laughs> it's just it's just the same entitlement. But certainly in America, you know, like the Bush family, yeah. they uh, you know they basically were all lining up to be president. Every single one of the those destiny the element, destiny right? element. And this guy, you know, the idea that this guy was from about the third day of his life wanted to be president and was encouraged to do so by his, you know, all of that is feels very relevant and i think there is a so i think there are parallels and as it goes on i think there are more parallels about you know that it doesn't matter what he believes in because of course the thing about donald trump was when 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 he was about to become president i think a lot of people wrote things saying actually he's not really that right wing he doesn't really believe in Mm. anything in fact Mm. he's kind of pretending to be Mm. and there's a lot of that going on in this Mm. of him pretending to be engaged with some kind of political ideology but he isn't really doesn't give a shit all he wants is to be powerful and to have that kind of and celebrity you know it's kind yeah. of this politician as celebrity. I think all of that is very relevant now, even though it was covered to some extent in election. But I think the whole um, the whole tone of it is re- it's fun. It's kind of you know it's even though it does deal with those issues as you say with those trigger warnings, but it somehow manages to be kind of kitschy and camp and all of those things. So many of the characters are quite caricature. A lot of the characters are over the top. Jessica yeah. Lang, I mean, just gets to go <laughs> crazy as you want, which is exactly what you want from Jessica Lang. That's what Gwyneth Paltrow, best thing Gwyneth Paltrow's yeah. done for years. I mean, it just shows you, you know, cause, and I think it particularly feels like that there's some kind of meta thing going on, because at the moment, all, all I think about is her in fucking gloop, and shoving Geek. goop, gloop, <laughs> gloop. Or, I think gloops from uh, from uh, Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. Augustus Gloop. Augustus Gloop, gloop, goop. Anyway, we just think of her and like, you know, doing weird things downstairs with you know getting wellness through yeah. your vagina and steaming, stuff yeah. yeah steaming your vagina um and being incredibly earnest about everything whereas this is the opposite of earnest she's yeah. absolutely spectacularly fun in this show so i think that's brilliant so i, I think it, it doesn't feel like yet i mean i've seen four episodes i mm. think and i'm really enjoying it, it but I, I know what you mean it doesn't feel unique no even four episodes in mm. but i'm still really 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 having a good time watching yeah, it i think so and it, it, it is exactly as you say it is very you know, relevant to these current times, that sense of, you know, the, the aptitude and suitability and, you know, intention is secondary to entitlement and just wanting yeah. to have the power. Uh, so there's a lot of that in there. So it might hit a little bit close to the bone for those of us living in the world at the moment. But hey-ho, that is uh, The Politician. This drops on Netflix uh, on Friday, September the 27th. 
in its entirety. Correct. As is Netflix's want. <laughs> right. Also this week, we have the musical finale of Transparent. This is the fifth year of the show, which starred uh, Jeffrey Tambor as Morton Pfefferman, a retired college professor who finally comes out to her family as having always identified as a woman. This is Jill Soloway's show, and she wrote it after her own father came out as transgender, and it was critically acclaimed until Jeffrey Tambor was embroiled in sexual harassment allegations, and it all went to shit. Uh, and how do you come back from that? Well, you don't. But a musical episode is apparently as good a way to try and, you know, paper over that. However... We were on a train, and the Wi-Fi was terrible. So Terry and I were not able to watch this oh, in time. So, Boyd, this shame. falls to you. Oh. C-sharp or B-flat? Well, it's so annoying because there's so much to discuss with this, honestly. Um, at, well, what, so, for me, I'm a huge fan of Transparent. I think it's almost certainly the best thing Amazon Prime's ever done. Mm. Um, some would say not that difficult because they haven't had that many, yeah. I think, kind of iconic successes, unlike Netflix, for example. Bosh. A Bosch, yeah. Bosch is fun. But, I mean, even then, it's not like... You know, it's really entertaining, but it's not like going to change the world. Whereas Transparent kind of did, I think, you could argue, mm. change the world yeah. because it was right at the moment when we started thinking really about trans people and trans identity and all of that. And it absolutely, it it, it started and carried on a conversation that was happening. It dealt with, because it's Jill Soloway's own experience, it felt completely like her story and the story of her parents and her family. It's as much in, in, a, in a really interesting way about being Jewish. Mm. Um, it's, a, it's this kind of wealthy, privileged Jewish family family in LA it's a lot about that and this finale this musical finale which is a feature length it's a film basically mm. a way of ending it is goes big on the Jewish thing there's tons and tons of stuff about what it means to be Jewish there's one line which a Jewish character says they're talking about they, they start they talk about the holocaust they start comparing the death of their father to how people got killed in the holocaust and all that it, it treads it treads goes really bold and at one point one character says why didn't anyone in Hitler's brunch group stop him and I thought that's such a brilliant line showing the kind of privilege of these people that it's all about brunch groups and yet there is a huge amount of pain going on with their ancestors and there's a big one point one of the kids asked why does everyone hate the Jews pretty much mm. there's a whole thing about that because there is a rise in anti-Semitism both I think here and in America so that's fascinating I what I think I loved about Transparent the series was every half hour episode was like a lovely little indie film it was really cinematic it was they were really some of them were you know they would go off on little flights of fancy but it was always felt very rooted in reality and it felt like she was she she knew everything about what's going on in the world right now in, about this whole topic of gender and um, sex and identity. And again, in this, she's really on it. You know, people, characters come on and they say, I, me, and someone else says, yeah, they, them. You know, there's a whole kind of how do you identify gender-wise thing going on. Thing. And what she does brilliantly, because I think she, because it is her experience, she gets to satirise it to some extent. She gets to take the piss out of it. And yet, at the same time, not um, belittle it. And it's a real, it's a real line. She's, she's trod brilliantly. And that happens in this a lot. But... My big butt is my Ooh. big. The musical thing just doesn't work for me because At all. I just it got really annoying after a while. So it, it's you know there's a lot of it is it's not like it's not like fucking Les Mis where the whole thing is sung through. Thank God, but there are a lot of songs in it. There are you know all the way through. It's a proper. And for me, what what's particularly inappropriate? It feels just like and I know I, I often hate critics who who kind of tell someone they shouldn't have done something. You know, if she wants to do musical, who am I to tell her not to do musical? But for me, because the strength of it was how authentic and real it felt all the way through this this show. This just doesn't. It really mm. took me out of. Yeah, it adds a layer of fantasy. A huge layer of fantasy. Mm. It just took me out of the whole thing and out of the characters and out of the realism and, and the bits where there aren't, some, there aren't singing songs. And what's really frustrating is one of the subplots is 
their mother, the, the matriarch, who was, of course, married to um, Maura, the main character, who is now not in it, has died. That's, that's the premise because, obviously, of what happened, as you said, uh, to the actor. Um, she decides to stage her own musical play about the family and him, and that's great. And so there are musical numbers within that context. I thought that would have been fine. But then she does the whole meta, they're, they're, and they actually, everyone starts singing songs and has fantasy sequences, and that, and it just irritated me. And I, I end, got to the point I wanted to fast forward through these musical numbers and get to the stuff where they're talking and having really funny dialogue, and it's being as clever and brilliant as transparent ever was. So within a kind of 90-ish minute film, there's, for me, there's probably like an hour and a bit <laughs> of, of really good stuff still. It is a bit long, and it's a, it doesn't... It, so for me, it lacks the, what made the show absolutely brilliant and perfect in a way and it's it's a kind of for me an indulgence a little bit but I think probably for transparent fans it was still required viewing okay. but I'm really annoyed you didn't see it because it would sorry Boyd we would have loved yeah. to have sung along to that and so that we could have just stood there both of us just looked at you and said it's no Buffy yeah, yeah, <laughs> which would have been our conclusion. Our it probably answer, is our conclusion. So every yeah. musical thing yeah. ever made. But that makes sense to have a Buffy musical number. I'm not sure if it makes sense to have a transparent musical number. Musical. Anyway, transparent. The musical finale drops on Amazon on Friday, the September the 27th, as well. Also out this week is the Beebs World War II miniseries World on Fire. This is a, this is a seven-part series which stars Helen Hunt, Leslie Manville, Sean Bean, and a load of other people. And this is not your average big war series in that it's not sort of a an in-the-trenches-in-the-cockpit type of thing. The idea is so this this takes place during, I want to say, the first year of the outbreak of World War II. So I thought you were going to say the First World War. I was going to go, what did no, you watch? hang on. <laughs> That's not it. What's going on? No, not, not the First World really War. Definitely the Second World War, but the first year <laughs> yes. of the Second World War taking place you know, before it actually Correct. begins, which is a part of that conflict you don't see an awful lot of. Indeed. You see a lot of the middle, you see a lot of the end, but you don't see a lot of the beginning. So, But it's also, it takes place from the view of a number of different characters, but they're all ordinary people. So a translator, you know, someone at home, sort of a militant person, sort of his campaigning against against the black shirt. So it's a very interesting kind of sort of plebeian view on the outbreak of World War II. And to find out what it is, let's ask Terry, did this set your world on fire? Terry. I absolutely loved this. And I was so prepared for it to be like, oh, you know, a bit. somebody (laughs) sings Vera Lynn, somebody (laughs) listens to some wartime speech on the wireless, like somebody else opens a Russian book and wonders how they're going to buy enough bread for the fucking child that's starving by the fireplace. (laughs) And I was all prepared for what this was going to be. And to your point, it's not what you think it is at all. So because it's told through the prism of these ordinary people and most importantly not just through through the perspective of British people so you've got people in Poland people in France people in Germany even the kind of German forces are humanised you see you start to see and I think this is explored Mm. um, in future episodes um, the kind of what's going on with a German soldier for example a young German soldier the cast is incredible Sean Bean Yorkshireman like, don't get me started. Play, amazingly plays somebody with shell shock, which is obviously now known as PTSD. Um, but an amazing, like, new cast as well. Like, the younger cast are incredible. So, um, Jonah Howarking, I think is how you say it. Julie Brown. Like, these kids who are so compelling and so charming and you are so invested in their story from the get-go. Um I just love these kind of small human stories, which apparently I was reading. So this is by um, Peter Bauker. Bauker. Mm. 
Um, and he did tons and tons of research and found these diaries in the Imperial War Museum. Mm. And so people's stories, so for example, the Polish waitress, her story was based on actual diary entries. Um, but I just loved these stories, but also it still had action. So there's some really well-executed actions, yeah. some ba- some battle scenes, which I, I found really difficult to watch. It's quite unflinching in some of the stuff it shows. It doesn't kind of cut away at difficult moments. There's the first few minutes... Something quite shocking happens, and you think there's going to be the normal kind of cutaway as the camera moves away, and you kind of hear what happens, but you see it. Oh yeah. And I, I just honestly, I was gripped for the entire thing. Apparently, there's going to the ambition is to do a series for each year of the war, um, which made me super excited. I've watched one episode, oh, God, and I'm yeah. like, mm. I will watch anything you put in front of me. Um, so I really, really, really love this because it is the, the it's just such a simple but genius thing, which is we're not going to show this from a you know we understand the history of it, we understand the bigger picture stuff, um, but actually showing the minutiae of the effect mm. on people's lives, and and you realise that. You know, even in times of war, people's kind of priorities remain the same, which is love and family and um, and just seeing all of those incredible textured stories, all which kind of interconnect in some way, but not in a contrived or um, uh, way that isn't in any way convincing. I just, yeah, I can't say enough good things about this. It is not any kind of war telly show you have seen no. before or think this is going to be and Leslie Manville is a total mm. bitch and it's <laughs> yeah. amazing I was like <laughs> I am she? here for bitch Leslie yeah. Manville she yeah. is brilliant Incredible. this is going to be one of the big autumn event shows isn't it really like yeah. it's, it's going to be huge and I think what I love most about this is it's a side of I mean that conflict has the story of this yeah. conflict has been told every which way but it feels like this is astonishingly a fresh approach to telling that story and it gives you a perspective that you just don't necessarily have depending on how well versed you are in history certainly but it's uh, first of all the time period because it starts at the very beginning of the war and that part of this is a Polish on the ground view of German aggression of the war starting of the misinformation around it and you know a lot of people I think and myself included probably don't Mm. really understand what that could have been like for Polish people and you know how it all came to pass and I think this does a really good job of that and I would love to see the whole conflict mm-hmm. told in this way for my own edification as much as anything else because it's hugely educational it's like the closest you can come to watching the world at war without actually having to watch a tedious 100 yes. hour documentary and actually you know live this conflict like a person on the ground would have done and uh, no I think I think it's amazing I also think it's really smart that a few key people aside they're not necessarily familiar faces mm-hmm. because it makes there's a there's a verisimilitude to this it really does feel sort of believable and tangible and kind of earthy and human and uh, yeah no this, this is uh, it, this is mandatory viewing really isn't it it's like mm-hmm. everyone will be watching this yeah it's it's I'm so it's really good. I'm really glad everyone likes it because it's the incredible thing about this is, right, so I've been checking this, like, like just double-checking and triple-checking. It's a total BBC production. It's not a co-production with Amazon Prime or Netflix because it feels big. really luxurious. It's like HBO. Right. But it's total BBC. Absolutely. As far as I can make out, it's absolutely 100% a BBC production. Mammoth Screen who do Poldark and yeah. other stuff mm. of, the, of the production company. But I think it's, and it feels like they've thrown a lot of money in it and mm. it's all there on screen. As you say, because it's really hard to pull off that kind of, isn't it, that kind of war scene. Yeah. Um, 
um, where it feels absolutely real and believable and and kind of visceral and authentic. And they do it so well. It's directed by, I want to say, it's directed by Adam Smith, who started out on Skins mm. years ago. I think I met him on set of Skins, mm. and he was incre- he started out like making films when he was like ten or eleven or something. And I think it's brilliant. He's such, done such a great job. I think he's directed the whole series pretty much. He directed a few episodes of Doctor Who um, and stuff like that. And I think a, a, he takes a lot of credit because he does a, a he, the romance scenes are really effective. Yeah. It feels really fresh and real. Um, and I just think it, it, as you say, it just you never see anything like it's such a simple idea to take these these individual stories. And they are and the interconnections between them are really smart. They're not they're just about connected, yeah. but not too much. So it feels clunky and overthought. I think it's a really really effective. And thing. surprising, like there's uh, you're saying the romance stuff is really well done. There's a scene which sounds so cheesy when you describe it of two newlyweds and the, oh. it's shot under the sheet. So they're yeah. under the sheets having yeah. this really cheesy conversation. But then it's segue. A that doesn't feel cheesy in the way it's done. It feels yeah, really heartrending because of the reasons behind it, which I won't go into. But it segues from that to two Polish soldiers hiding in a bombed out building mm. from Germans who are going to kill them. And it's it's I mean it tugs you in all sorts of directions. Yeah, and great to see Helen Hunt. But I've always loved Helen Hunt. Yeah, she, yeah, her, she's her very role's good. great. She's really good. As you say, Lindsay Mavel's fantastic. Oh. The, the casting, every single person yeah. is brilliantly cast. Yeah. yeah, young and old. It's really exciting. Yeah. So yes, well done, Fire. You basically must see this. This is not optional. Uh, and this begins on BBC One September the 29th at 9pm. Is it definitely BBC One? Yeah, oh, BBC One. Yeah. Sunday night, it's in, the, no, it's in the Peaky, Peaky Blinders yeah. slot. Sunday night, it replaces the Peaky Blinders. Yeah. Is, is the finale of Peaky Blinders this weekend? Yes. So it'll have gone out. Everyone will have seen it by the time yeah. they hear this. Yeah. Oh, so we could have yeah, spoiled it, that. but actually we won't because some no, people might not people, have seen it. People will take time to watch it. Yeah, yes. we, can't, we can't spoil it. Can I just mention another show that I'm that called Frayed on Sky One, which starts on Thursday, this coming Thursday, which is a Merman production, Sharon Horgan's production company. Mm. Um, she pops up as a, in a voice cameo. It's created by a woman called Sarah Kendall, who's a very funny stand-up, who's um, in recent times has done more personal... You know, a lot of stand-ups kind of go from doing general, like, funny gags to being more personal stories, and this is kind of like the culmination of that. It's really good. It's an hour-long comedy series. Hour-long comedy? It's comedies. hour-long comedy. I mean, you know, you can call it comedy drama, but it's funny, funny, funny all the way it's through. It's gone for Greenwing. It's for Greenwing. But it's, it's, it is more grounded in reality than that. And it is and it is really blackly funny right from the start because it starts off, basically, it's the idea is it's set in the late 80s, this very rich, wealthy Australian woman who now lives in London, married to this British guy. He's died in, in very embarrassing circumstances. It turns out he was a massive con man and she's ruined and her, her and her kids have to go back to Australia where she's from, a working class community where she's from. It's about partly like the, the fact that she's embarrassed by her class background back in Australia. She's lied all the way through the, her mm. life in Britain about where she's really from and she's having to confront the reality of the fact that she's from this kind of this fairly fairly working very working class community called Newcastle that's not even anywhere near any big city like Sydney she's lied all the way through she's from Sydney it's like it's a three hour journey from Sydney to this place called Newcastle it's really good I think and everyone should watch it but I didn't have time to force you people to watch it. That is true, you didn't. But also out this week is the fourth and final season of The Good Place. Oh, yeah, Which that. also drops Christ. on Netflix on Friday. Yeah. But, yep, you guessed it. We were left in the bad place and weren't <laughs> allowed to see it. So we can't talk about The Good Place, but with any luck, we'll have some feedback on that in next week's show. Pick of the week, world on fire, surely. Yes, 100%. Yes. 100%. Yes. The world is on fire, as are we. Or something that makes more sense. Right, now... To Terry's point earlier on, we now turn to Banshee no. and a slightly unconventional Banshee. Oh, he's got something, he's got something up his sleeve, hasn't he? Terry, would you like to introduce this? Why? What, what are you going to do? <laughs> what do you think I'm going to do? On the live podcast, we did a live Empire podcast, which is already live, the yeah. most recent oh, Empire okay. podcast. The one uh, in Scotland? The one in Scotland, the yeah. Edinburgh, the Muck podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I made a revelation that I was in a TV show. A fact that we've been doing this podcast for a year, I have never mentioned on this. Wow. Mainly because I think I'd forgotten entirely. Amazing. <laughs> but this came up on the show, and I promised to the audience on the show that I would banshee that show that I was in. Oh, okay. Right here and now. I wasn't talking about this revelation. Oh, what was oh, your revelation? I was talking about your Battlestar Galactica revelation. What was my Battlestar Galactica oh my revelation? God. What did Helen reveal? Uh, oh, what did Helen reveal? Yes, that is true. Helen did reveal on the live podcast that I... <laughs> When I first saw Battlestar Galactica, which I absolutely adore, I watched the miniseries. Oh, yeah, yeah. And may not Uh, have fully appreciated its magnificence. Uh, He hated it and told Helen not to watch it. Yeah, I might have done So it's quite a shock after your Battlestar Galactica. Obviously, I love Battlestar Galactica. But the thing is, is, that would be a huge controversy if people didn't already know that I watched the pilot of The West Wing, the greatest TV show ever made, and was unimpressed by that. So I think. If this issue is anything, mm-hmm. is that what's, my judgment is so suspect that the really whole does. point of this podcast is thrown yeah. into question yeah. because you really shouldn't listen to anything I say about pilot episodes. Oh, God. Please keep listening. Right. Yeah. Anyway, but the other thing I was going to say, okay, so the yes. thing that I thought that you were talking about earlier when I rudely cut you off, apologies for that, um, was uh, that I was in a TV show. I don't know if you saw this, Boyd. It starred Nigel Planer. Yeah. It aired in the early 90s, specifically in 1992, I think. And it was called Bonjour La Classe. <laughs> I don't remember that. No? No. Okay. I mean, I'm loving the title already. Uh, okay, right. So, so this was... A, this was uh, it like... Um, this is a BBC One uh, comedy. Right. At the beginning of 93, actually. It began, shot in 92, aired in 93. Created and written by Paul Smith <laughs> and Terry Kyan. Uh, and it centred on Lawrence Didcot, who's the new French teacher at this prestigious school called the Mansion School. And he discovers that everyone at the school is just all... They're all about, you know, the benefactors and fundraising and whatnot and not really interested in people's education and hilarity ensues but this show this sitcom was shot at my school and I remember them stopping lessons and stuff and we had to stay in the assembly and sit there while they did sort of sweeping crowd shots and Nigel Planer stood up and did a thing and we just had to sit and watch and they would we were the the cutaway shots were us just sitting there looking bored and uh, there was a shot that they used of me and it is a slow shot of me walking towards class from behind and that's my claim to fame Wow. Sorry, boy. I mean, I know this is no, that's amazing. Yeah. To your nicker well, funny, incident. That but, does remind uh, me that after last week's, after our live podcast, um, when I talked about being on Rob Bryan's annual retentive, which, um, which uh, you know, was a kind of was my banshee of last week. Yes. And I thought I was only in one scene, and then Chris Hewitt reminded me when we went back afterwards that I was in the whole episode, and I was actually, and even in the kind of it. fake panel show bit, and I totally forgot about that. See, yeah. this is this is you know our fame, Boyd. You oh. know, we forget it's how famous we really yeah, are. Yeah, we do. Um, your, really do. Your fame is that they shot the back of you. Yeah. In a show that literally no one, including Nigel Planer, remembers making. Oh, Boyd. I mean, Boyd's heard of yeah, everything. you've never mm. heard of it. No. You're looking it up now. Never heard of it, no. You're, you're not even no, interested. I'm not, not looking at it up, my, my banshee thing. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But what is the premise of the show? It, it was literally, he's a French teacher, and he's teaching French to some students in a school, and there's politics in the school. That's what, it's just like a, like a... Mind your language. It's a sick... <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I It was like a racist that. comedy oh, about... It, I don't think this was... Oh. Overtly racist, okay. but uh, it was no. It was set in a very privileged. Uh, so, so the school I went to looked a bit like Hogwarts, which is why they sort of shot it there. So it was, uh, it, was a, it was, it was, it was shot uh, and set in a posh school. And I went to a posh 
school, so they use my posh school as right. this posh school. Uh, Bonjour la classe, almost certainly Bonjour available nowhere. Class. If you want to see it, I don't know, go to Nigel Planer's house, ask him if he's still got a VHS. <laughs> That's your best bet, because, I mean, I'm fucked <laughs> if anyone else is going to have it. Bonjour la classe. Does your mum not have it? Class. No, I don't think she's... Uh, honestly, I guarantee, and she does listen to this podcast, she's listening to this going, he's making that up. <laughs> bet she has absolutely no recollection of this whatsoever. James's mum, we would love to hear from you if yeah. this is, in fact, complete fiction. No, it says, look, okay, go on to Wikipedia now. And it actually says, it says, it names my school on the Wikipedia page. So you can see oh. that I'm not lying. Does it name your cameo? No. <laughs> it doesn't say <laughs> featuring the debut screen performance of James Dyer as bored student. But I, am, I, did, I had my long hair then I was going to well. say, what, yeah. that was just what I was going to yeah. ask you. What was your hair like? Uh, as I'm walking from mine, I believe I'm wearing a tweed jacket. <laughs> Oh and God. I have my long hair, which is sort of flowing over the back of my... And the master of discipline at my school got me into trouble over that. He, he was not happy with the length of my hair. Oh, hang on, hang on. Your master of discipline. It was one of those kind of schools. Fucking what? hell, what is that? And his job was just to like... No, he also taught history, but his name was Mr. Woods and he was didn't his like job to beat you at yeah. all. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I was not his favourite. I am now looking at it on Wikipedia. I can say this about There's... him now because it's been many, many years and he's almost certainly deceased. So, you know. Tweed, long hair... Were you all like that or were you bullied? Was I bullied at school? Yeah. Well, not for having tweed jacket. We all had to wear them. And long hair. No, uh, no, no, no. That made me a bit edgy. I was a bit cool with my long hair. You would... Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> with your tweed jacket and long... All right, fine. I might be overstating my coolness, but I didn't have long hair. Words. We'd also like to hear from anybody who went to school with James. Oh, Christ. And can confirm whether he was popular or bullied. Absolutely not. This cannot happen. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's, the people who worked on it, like Paul Smith is a very famous... He wrote loads of kind of quite good comedies. He worked on Not the Line Court News and stuff like that. So yeah, hence, yeah. yeah. Um, it wasn't a hit. Someone called the, one the creative director was someone called Chris Lowe. If it was, if it was from the Pet Shop Boys, that would be really <laughs> I weird. I don't recall the Pet Shop Boys being there. Uh, okay. But uh, yeah, you go. Bonjour la classe. Bonjour la classe. Well, I've chosen I Love Dick. Which is related in many ways. Yeah. So to your boarding school days. Do you know Do you know about this? Because suddenly occurred to me that actually this is your Soloways of the show. Um, which and you know this is almost. I felt at one point I felt this is too this is too famous a banshee. Then I asked a few people and then no one had fucking heard of it. So I thought right, it's just always other shows. So after she established herself with Transparent, she worked on loads of show other people's shows, but she created this this show and it was really interesting. It's kind of about this weird um like sex guru played by um Kevin Bacon. So there's also Kevin Bacon reference. Catherine Hahn, who's from um uh, Transparent, is in it. Who's always brilliant in everything. Griffin Dunn was in it. So they were husband and wife. They were like creative people, privileged people, and they go to Texas and they experience the kind of brilliance of um, of Kevin Bacon's character. And it was really interesting, challenging, weird, and another kind of good thing on Amazon Prime. It's all on Amazon Prime. Wow. Okay. I love it. I have never seen it, but there I have heard of it. Okay. But you're not exactly like, oh yeah, you don't really know what it is, do you? Not really. No. So no. it's better Banshee than some of your... I mean, look, you were going to win this anyway by default. And also, Bonjour La Classe, even by my admission, <laughs> is almost certainly terrible. I don't even recall, I think I saw like one episode, like the one that I was in. I don't even think I saw the rest of it. I actually so. really want to see Bonjour yeah, La Classe. I'm yeah, I'm sorry, there can only be I one winner. I think you're going to win. Right, which, right. Is, which is Boo 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 Boo, because <laughs> I would really love us all to try and find it and watch okay, it Okay, that's it. Week. A challenge for all of the uh, the Pilot TV listeners. Yes. If you can find Bonjour 
Bonjour La Classe starring Nigel Planer and identify the scene in which I appear, then please do send it in to us. Uh, we'd, we'd love to you see You will it. get a prize you because will. that will take some doing. You will get a prize. I mean, there is stuff on YouTube already. I've, it hasn't is there? taken long. Yeah. Oh, you've got to find yeah. it. This is extraordinary. All right. This, this, which this episode? Do you know which episode you're in? I can't remember. It was mm-hmm. Somebody is going to have to try and find all yeah. the episodes, go through them all painstakingly, recognise James from behind, <laughs> even though he's got hair. I mean, it's quite an ask. It's a big ask. It's a big ask. It's, a, it's really a job for my mum, I'm going to say. Yeah. Look, it's starring. I'm sure. Well, I've got a feeling <laughs> you're watching your mum. watching it. Well, like, let's do a live watch. Right, I mean, that's it. Should we, do, should we do a commentary, a cast, yeah. cast commentary starring I don't me? know if it's your episode, but yeah. Yeah. it's got okay. a good opening title sequence. There we go. Something tells me your mum won't even recognise you. Yeah, of course you won't. It's on, it's on YouTube, people. Watch it now. And on that note, I think that's it for another episode of the Pilot TV Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, and indeed bonjour la classe, uh, then please let us know, and please follow me on Instagram to increase my numbers. Terry, no, I've spoken to you about this. You cannot use the podcast to boost your personal social media following. Don't do it again. At James C. Dyer. Please head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, if you so desire. And if you have any thoughts, reflections, feedback on the podcast, we'd love to hear them as well. Please address any criticisms to at Terry underscore White, and any compliments to <laughs> at James C. Dyer for anything that falls somewhere. Is that your school? Yes, that's my school. <laughs> that's that's school, my school. Oh this my school God. Gates. This is school gates. Oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> you went to to school in the pictures. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, look, it's Nigel Planer going yeah. into my school. Oh. I mean, it already looks... The privilege. Yeah, that's my study. <laughs> This is this is proving to be a highlight oh, of the podcast. The privilege, yeah. the privilege. Oh, yeah. This is great. This yeah. is really good also for our entirely audio-based listenership yeah. who are unable to see what we're looking at. Still. But I will say, if you look at Bonjour the Class on YouTube, you will find out. Um, I've forgotten where I was in this yeah, sorry. outro, so let's just say uh, bye. We will be back <laughs> next week with more mayhem when we will, among other things, find out a lot more about Bonjour the Class. <laughs> And, so much more. And with luck, discover whether Catherine the Great lives up to its name. Pilot out.